Scott Mc... I don't can't remember his name. I just know him as the drunk guy. <laughs> whole bunch of things going on from the wonderful and wacky world of sports as we wish everybody here on this episode number 437 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We are here and we're here to wish all of you a very safe and, and happy holiday season. I, You know what? I got to say this and I want to I get your opinion on this. I know I'm old um, you know, and I get to go to movies now for half price and I get to go to Denny's and get discounts for breakfast because I'm over 55 and all that things that I'm taking advantage of. But I think it's ludicrous in this day and age. And I know we've got to be so goddamn politically correct. That's not a problem here on Unscripted, let me tell you. But I am pretty damn tired that you can't wish people Merry Christmas. You got to say Happy Holiday. No, you don't. You can say Merry well, Christmas. No, I, I do. But I'm just saying a lot of people don't because they're afraid of offending somebody. You know what, folks? This is supposed to be a joyous uh, time with your family, uh, a stress reliever at the end of a long year, um, in the corporate business world, the end of the first quarter. I mean, this is supposed to be, we're not supposed to have our guard up as to what we say and what we can say and what we can't say. And I think it's ludicrous that a lot of people feel offended if you say Merry Christmas to them. Um, I have an alternative if you'd like. You can tell them to fuck off, but I, I don't, I don't, it isn't natural for me to say happy holidays. It's more much natural for me to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And that's what I'm going to continue to say. Well, there's no one's actually offended by that unless they're desperate to be offended about anything. Well, but and some then people just are a, just, yeah. Well, they're people, just a, they're just a piece of shit then. I mean, they're just, they're, they're just desperate to be offended about anything. They're just looking for any excuse to feel superior to you. That's all that is. Because the fact is that if someone says, whatever they're into. Like if somebody says Merry Christmas to you, whether it's your thing or not, or if someone says Happy Hanukkah because that's their thing right. or whatever they say, if they say happy, whatever their own thing is, that doesn't offend me. That's that's their thing. No, I get right? that. Right? I mean, I so, that. so it's not realistic. And especially if I went to, right. you know, if I went to Israel and someone says Happy Hanukkah, right. well, what am I... Then, then it makes even less sense. So right. it's just any time that it's just someone's desperate to be offended and there's no principle behind it whatsoever, they're just an asshole, fuck them. We've got a lot of... <laughs> I love you. <laughs> um, a lot of things to talk about. Um, I want to talk about the Pro Bowls that have been announced, the Pro Bowl rosters. Um, I want to talk about some of the snubs on the Pro Bowl rosters. Um, there's a big, big... NBA basketball game on Thursday night that I want to talk about for sure. Um, there was a deal this week in the National Hockey League that has ramifications, especially in the Western Conference with Taylor Hall being traded to the Arizona Coyotes. And there's already been some noise. I heard our guy, Elliot Friedman, talking about it the other day that he believes that at the end of the season, there's a couple of other places that Taylor Hall may want to go to as he is a free agent at the end of this upcoming season. But for right now, he is already paying dividends for the Arizona Cardinals. Congratulations, Arizona Coyotes, I should say. Congratulations to the Coyotes for making this deal. I think that Taylor Hall will certainly help you. The question is, will it be for the short term or the long term? That's yet to be determined. Also, 
couple episodes ago, Chris and I were talking about disposable income. How many people in North America have disposable income lying around? And the reason I bring this up is because some guy just paid $1 million for Babe Ruth's 500th career home run bat. Bat or baseball. I'm not sure if it was the ball or the bat. I'm not sure. But some guy, let's just say for the discussion purposes, it was the bat he used. Some guy just paid $1 million for Babe Ruth's 500th career home run and the bat he used to hit it. That's amazing. But I want to start on this 437th episode of Unscripted with the Pro Bowl rosters. AFC, NFC, um, every team is recognized except two. I bet you can guess who the two are. The Miami Dolphins are one. The New York Giants are the other. I have, I have a couple things to get off my chest before I hand the microphone over to Chris in regard to this Pro Bowl thing. Like Major League Baseball, I think that the Pro Bowl rosters should have representation from every team. One guy, there's got to be one guy on every team that should qualify for the Pro Bowl to represent each of the 32 teams in the National Football League. Now, we know Miami has sucked you-know-what this year, but they just gave a contract extension to, I think his name is Devontae Parker, last week. So right, right there, automatically, Devontae Parker should be the Pro Bowl representative for the Miami Dolphins. The New York Giants are the other team. Is there somebody on the Giants roster that should be on the Pro Bowl right now? I don't know. Um, but I think every team should be represented. Secondly, I think that the Baltimore Ravens right now on paper, record-wise, and any other analytical way you want to look at it, the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the National Football League going into the playoffs. But 12 representatives on the Pro Bowl roster? Yeah, Baltimore's really good. And I think you can only really count 11 because the 12th guys are long snapper. And the long snapper does two things. He snaps the ball and he runs down on punt returns and tries to tackle the guy. And he's a wedge buster. But, but 12 guys from one team, when two teams don't have a representative, I have a problem with that. But my third biggest one, and you people are going to be surprised by this, but in the NFC, I believe there are two quarterbacks that should be in the Pro Bowl, or at least on the Pro Bowl roster, before Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has not played up to the normal capacity of, of Aaron Rodgers this year. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is leading a team that's 11-3. and three. But even though they are a team of, of 11-3, and three, I think I'm a little bit skewered two ways. I think that there should be an 11-3 team, regardless of how they got there, I think that they are warranted by having more than two representatives. The two Packer representatives right now are Aaron Rodgers and left tackle David Bakhtiari. I believe David Bakhtiari should be there. I also believe that Zadarius Smith should be there, and I believe that Jair Alexander should be there. But the, the three Packer representatives, in my opinion, should be David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander, and, Z and Zadarius Smith. There should not be any Aaron Rodgers on the Pro Bowl rosters. And as tough as this is for me to say, I think that Zach Prescott in Dallas and, oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying this, 
If my dad was dead, I'd, I'd have him strike me down. But I think that Kirk Cousins should be on the NFC Pro Bowl roster before Aaron Rodgers. Oof. <laughs> That's hard for me to say, but I'm talking, I, I believe the numbers suggest that. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I honestly, I I feel like I'd almost want to put James Winston on there before Kirk Cousins, but because uh, he got to get the yards. If he didn't have such a bad interception problem, then maybe that would be fine there. But yeah, Aaron hasn't been that good, but he's been better than Tom Brady, and I'm glad that they were able to see that Tom Brady definitely does not deserve to be in the Pro Bowl. That would have been. I'm shocked that they left him off, but that would have been an absolute travesty if they would have put Tom Brady on there. So. Uh, but yeah, Aaron hasn't been that great. He had, he's had flashes like the Oakland game. He was unbelievable. 158.3. Yeah. One of his best games ever. So who knows? But yeah, I look, it's pro bowl balloting. There's always going to be, uh, you know, a a lack of integrity in parts. And there's always going to be, I think just really some out of necessity, some snubs that are hard to avoid. I mean, most people aren't very good evaluators or even uh, they might not even know about some guys on the O-line. So you're going to just go with bigger names or guys who've made it before. Once you make it once, you're right. more likely to make it again. One interesting thing I saw with the Pro Bowl, four guys made it on the Cowboys, three O-linemen and Zeke. And Zach Martin, you can say what you want about Stephen Jones, yeah, but he's better than Jerry Jones. Yeah. And I will just never forget how their fans were all upset because they didn't take Johnny Menzel, and instead they took a guy named some O-lineman named Zach Martin, who only happens to be the best guard in the league, and he has played six seasons, and he has six Pro Bowls. So you know what? Stephen Jones better than Jerry Jones, and frankly, knows more than most Cowboys fans too. Cowboys Pro Bowlers, Tyron Smith, their left tackle, Zach Martin, the guard, Travis Frederick, the center from Wisconsin, and Ezekiel Elliott. So congratulations to those four. I just, I've got some snubs though. These are some guys that I think that got shafted. And maybe, and maybe they're alternates and maybe they will find their way onto the Pro Bowl roster because, you know, a lot of these guys come up with these mysterious illness and injuries when they don't want to play the game. And, you know, after a full NFL season, you know, who wants to go to Orlando and play another game? But again, these are some of the snubs that I think for this uh, Pro Bowl team. I believe Dak, Dak Prescott was snubbed. Uh, I believe Eric Kendricks, the linebacker from the Minnesota Vikings, was a snub. I believe Demario Davis, the linebacker of the New Orleans Saints, got snubbed for damn sure. Um, a lot of people don't know this guy, but I believe Darren Waller, the tight end of the Oakland Raiders, got snubbed for damn sure. And again, I, I believe Jair Alexander of the Green Bay Packers got snubbed. Those are just some of my snubs. Um, I went on here in my notes. Should Kirk Cousins have gotten in before Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees? It's still a popularity contest, folks. I don't give a damn what anybody says. And my my uh, my last note was the 12 Ravens players. Yes, they are 12-2. and two. Green Bay is 11-3, and three, but only has two. There are still some flaws in the Pro Bowl rosters, and there's going to be a lot of change, folks, because injuries and you know a lot of things are going to uh, obviously happen uh, in the week before the Super Bowl. These changes, the, the, there'll be a lot of changes to these rosters before they actually play the game in Orlando. But again, the initial uh, Pro Bowl rosters, there were some guys that got screwed. And um, I truly believe that every team should have representation at the NFL's Pro Bowl game. Just my feeling. Um, I want to switch to the NBA. 
and uh, won't spend a lot of time on it. But it it isn't, it's very rare, I should say, in the NBA. And I do want to send out our best thoughts and prayers to former NBA Commissioner David Stern, who, as we speak right now, uh, remains in serious condition in uh, uh, a New York hospital. I think it's Mount Sinai, but I'm not sure. But he remains in serious condition after brain surgery. So we send our condolences to the former NBA commissioner. And whether you loved him or loathed him for 30 years, he did some things in the NBA that not a lot of people had been able to accomplish in a role like he had for 30 years. I mean, he got games being played at international locations. He uh, brought seven new teams into the league during his 30 years. There was uh, six teams that moved. So there was a lot of action during David Stern's time as commissioner of the NBA. I had the privilege of interviewing him years ago. And, um, you know, for a lawyer, he was pretty cool. And everything that we talk about and rave about here on Unscripted about his successor, Adam Silver. Well, Adam Silver was his right-hand man for a lot of those years. And um, Adam Silver had a good teacher. I wasn't a big fan of David Stern. I think David Stern overstepped his bounds years ago on a trade that was supposed to happen between the Los Angeles Lakers and the New Orleans uh, Hornets at the time involving Chris Paul. But that's why the owners made him commissioner. He had the authority to do it. And overall, I think David Stern did a pretty damn good job as the commissioner of the NFL for 30 years. So again, our thoughts and prayers go out with Mr. Stern. But getting back to something that doesn't really happen, we're 28 games in, 28, 30, depending on, you know, some teams have a couple more games in hand than others, but both of these two teams have played 28 games as they convene on Thursday night in Milwaukee. The Milwaukee Bucks will host the Los Angeles Lakers on Thursday from Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee or Cream City. That's so, it's, that's unfathomable to me that I didn't know what Cream City meant. I do now, thanks to Chris. The Bucks had their 18-game winning streak snapped on Monday to the Dallas Mavericks. I think they were probably overlooking Dallas, thinking about Thursday's matchup with the Lakers. The Lakers had their 14-game road winning streak snapped last night in Indiana, probably looking forward to playing Milwaukee on Thursday. But both teams come into this game with very impressive 24-4 and records. And everybody's excited to see what Giannis is going to do against Anthony Davis and who's going to check LeBron James on the defensive side of Milwaukee, uh, on, the, on the defensive side for the Bucs. The Bucs have the best point differential in the league. Right now, the Bucs are beating opponents with the, with the points that they score and the points they give up. They have the greatest point differential in the league right now, which is at 13.1. Congratulations to Coach Bud and the rest of the Bucs. But I am so excited about seeing the Lakers and the Bucks, two teams, 24-4, and four, heads and shoulders above everybody else in the, both the Eastern and the Western Conference. And I, I, can, I can't tell you how excited I am to see that game on Thursday night from Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. Anything? Go Bucks. <laughs> I, I just love that Giannis is doing so well and you don't hear any controversy about him killing people or raping people or... Uh, you know, I don't know, just being a piece of garbage. Seems like a really solid guy. Uh, I'm pretty confident he's going to spend uh, 
any meaningful years in the NBA with the Bucks. I think he's going to be loyal to them. I hope he is. Oh my God. We're riding on it. Um, he can be, meaning Giannis, can be offered the max contract at the end of this season. So it'll be interesting to see. The Bucks have said they will offer the max contract. I don't know what the number is. It's I, I believe off the top of my head, it's $204 million over the next, I don't know how many years, but regardless of what it is, John Horse, the general manager, got fined 50 G's by the league for making that proclamation that the Bucks were going to offer him the max at the end of this season, regardless of what that max is, if the Bucks can sign Giannis again, um, they will stay in the upper echelon of the NBA for a long time to come. If they don't, I know LA wants him. The Lakers want him. I know the Knicks want him. A lot of teams would want Giannis Antetokounmpo. There's no question about it. But if the Bucks can keep him, the Bucks will stay in the upper echelon of the NBA for a long, long time. Um, National Hockey League. Ilya Kovalchuk's career in L.A. is over. Big surprise there. He'd been a healthy scratch most of this season. After 81 games in L.A. Now, Chris and I make a lot of fun about the two idiots running the hockey operations side of the L.A. Kings these days. And I wish that our buddy Ryan was here right now because he'd give us some proper insight as to really how he feels about the Los Angeles Kings. But I, I, I have to say this. Messrs. Robitaille and Blake are not doing the job that they were hired to do in Los Angeles. I think Todd McClellan, in fairness, has done a very good job coaching this team. I think L.A. has been better than people thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season, and I think that's attributable to Coach McClellan. That has nothing to do with the front office personnel of the Los Angeles Kings. But getting back, when Messrs. Blake and Robitaille came on board, one of their first transactions was giving Ilya Kovalchuk a three-year contract after he had spent five years in the kindergarten hockey league over in Russia, the KHL. I'm only making fun. But after 81 games, they said enough is enough. And in those 81 games, he produced 19 goals and 43 total points. Talk about a screw job on your return on investment. Could there be anyone out there in the NHL that could use this guy? And this is where I want to bring in Chris because a report surfaced on Tuesday and I don't know where this report came, but I know Chris is going to have a comment on it. A report surfaced on Tuesday saying that the Boston Bruins, the Montreal Canadiens, and possibly even, yes, Chris's beloved Edmonton Oilers could be interested in Kovalchuk. Your comments, sir. Uh, well, your buddy Ryan, who is a big fan of the show, and we've had him on a number of times and is a fellow, fellow L.A. Kings fan with you, he has said that he actually liked Kovalchuk this year. The main problem was certainly the contract was ludicrous, as we mentioned when it happened years ago on Correct. Unscripted. And, uh, but, I mean, Ryan said that he's been really good this year and has frankly tried harder even than most people. And that's interesting. And yeah, he'd be a great fit on there, like putting Kovalchuk with Nuge. If he's going to try hard and he still has something left in the tank in his 40s uh, and he was cheap, then sure. Why not? Yeah, bring him in. But yeah, not at $6 million a year. That doesn't work. Uh, for a cheap contract, I mean, that's what Holland is looking for. Ken Holland, I heard, was not a big player in the Taylor Hall sweepstakes. No. No. I, I mean, he was expected to be somewhat at least, at least as a rental for this year, but he wasn't. Uh, is what I was told and uh, but uh, yeah he's focused more on and he's even basically said in recent interviews he he's willing to make trades or moves or signings or whatever but they have to be 
reasonable and they can't, you know, they can't be something that hamstrings a team long term. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in Kovalchuk on a cheap deal rest of this year, this year and next year, uh, this year, next year max. But I mean, maybe just this year, stick them on a line with Nuge, pay him the minimum or something and see what happens. Sure. Why not? Also from the National Hockey League, and um, I don't know much about this guy. You would probably know much more about this guy than I would. Vancouver Canucks forward Antoine Roussel. Well, he made news on Tuesday. Um, yeah, it would have been Tuesday because it was last night when the Montreal Canadiens made their one trip out west. They were in Vancouver last night. Uh, my daughter and potential son-in-law will be at that game. My potential son-in-law is a huge Montreal Canadiens fan. Um, but Rossell came out after the game last night saying he's pissed off about the amount of support that the Canadians get when they visit Vancouver. Well, I don't know, Antoine, if you haven't been around long or haven't been around much. Again, I don't know much about you, but that happens in a lot of Canadian cities. That happens when the Maple Leafs or the Canadians visit Calgary. You'd think that the it was a it was a game in Scotiabank Arena sometimes when the Maple Leafs are in town here and they're playing the Calgary Flames and you see more blue than red. I know it happens in Edmonton as well when you see almost equal equally divided between blue of the Maple Leafs and the orange of the Edmonton Oilers fans. Same thing happens in Winnipeg. Same thing happens in, in again. These are the two original six marquee franchises. Of the seven NHL franchises that call Canada home, the two big ones, the two name ones that people, even if you just got out of a rock, living under a rock in Bali, you know that the the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens are Canadian-based franchises. But this happens all the time. And I don't know why this guy gets so bent out of shape about it. Maybe the one way that the Vancouver fans could maybe stop this onslaught of Canadians fans and Maple Leafs fans is buy your tickets and support your team. I don't know if the tickets are purchased. Well, then maybe the Toronto fans and the Montreal fans can't get to them. I don't know, but don't bitch about it. There's nothing you can do about it. It's a full barn anyway. I just don't see why Antoine Roussel is all jacked up about this. It happens in every Canadian uh, city. When, the uh, uh, Canadians play the Senators. You know, people don't realize how close Ottawa and Montreal really are. Um, people don't realize when the Maple Leafs play anywhere in this in this country, it looks like it's a home game for Toronto because there are so many people fleeing to get the hell out of the GTA. They go to another city in Canada, but obviously they still keep their ties to their home standing Maple Leafs. Same thing with Montreal. Get over it, Antoine Roussel. Or ask for a trade to the United States and you'll be playing in a, there's a chance you'll be playing in front of an empty building. I mean, there's your choice. Um, interesting there. Also, I know I'm rambling on here, but I've got, I was just going to say about that, though. Please. I, I will say as a fan, it is annoying to go to a game when, like, if the Oilers play another Canadian team or an original six team, there's always a disproportionate amount of players. Or even if the you know the team otherwise sells out, somehow those fans always find a way. And it is kind of annoying. I'd like to just go. I like to go to a game and just have uh, you know really get the full home field experience. 
So, I mean, the next time I go to see the Oilers, I hope they're playing the Hurricanes or the Florida yeah, Panthers get, yeah. or something. Because I just, I just want to be part of, you know, I always, I have to live down here already. And it's, I, there's definitely some Oilers fans and that's great. But I, I, it's just annoying. Flames fans are so annoying. Oh, no question. <laughs> and so it's just nice. I live to, with two of them. Yeah. And it's just so nice to go up to Edmonton and just see all the Oilers jerseys. And it's, it's <laughs> nice. I just, I've never, I've never lived in the same city as uh, a team that I love is based. Mm-hmm. I've never had that. And so I, I, that, that would be nice. I hope people that have that don't take it for granted. But yeah, boy, I hate when like the Leafs are in town or something. And I'm, I mean, Edmonton just sucks. <laughs> well, and you know, and, and again, those Eastern teams only make one pilgrimage out to the West. That's true. Yeah. And so all these transplanted Torontonians and all these transplanted Montrealers, they only get one chance in their adopted hometown to see their hometown team. That's certainly part of it. But I've got, again, I've got a solution to the problem. Buy the tickets and then they can't get in. How's that? Mm -hmm. That's simple. One last NHL hockey note. Uh, Congratulations to Evgeny Malkin, who scored his 400th NHL goal last night in Calgary in Pittsburgh's 4-1 win over the local guys. That is a great accomplishment. And congratulations to Gino Malkin, for his 400. See that Gino thing? I picked that up from Chris. I remember. I listen. But that is a great accomplishment for anybody to get 400 goals in the National Hockey League. It is. I wonder why we don't hear too much about Malkin. He's still scoring. I just You don't hear. Before, it was always about Crosby and Malkin. Maybe, maybe it's because there's so many other duos now. I mean, now you've got Connor and Leon, and you've got Pasternak and Marchand, and you're starting to get these other duos uh, Kucherov and Point, maybe you could look at. There's there's a number of them, and uh, I think that duos are kind of the n- new thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, now Malkin's just being forgotten about. I haven't looked at the stats lately, but yeah, you don't hear much about Gino anymore. No, you really don't. And uh, but again, anybody that accomplishes that kind of and you get to that kind of milestone, certainly congratulations are due. 400 goals in the National Hockey League. That is very impressive. And congratulations again to Evgeny Malkin. Real quick before we get out of here on this 437th episode, I wanted to bring this up because starting this weekend, we get into the college football playoffs. Or not, not excuse me, not the playoffs, but let me, let me restate this. We get into the college bowl season. You know, you've got the, the Jerkwater Bowl and you've got the Pineapple Bowl. And we've got 41 bowls, I think, this year. Jeez. And they all start, I think, about Saturday because I know in Vegas, it's the Las Vegas Bowl on Saturday night. Um, but the big ones are coming up. Obviously we've already talked about in the, uh, the CF uh, college football playoffs. You've got number one LSU versus number four, Oklahoma in the peach bowl. You've got number two, Ohio state versus number three, Clemson in the Fiesta bowl. And then those two teams will meet. I think it's the week of January 6th. They will meet in the national championship game to the two winners, obviously. But this was very interesting to me. And I know Chris will be uh, having something to say about this as well. Um, Todd McShay, he is one of the draft gurus, along with Mel Kuyper for ESPN. Um, uh, McShay also uh, does some analysis on college football games. Kuyper is just strictly just the draft, but... McShay does his drafts, but he also goes out and and scouts college guys and goes out and does college games. He's the sideline reporter um, and does a lot of different things. A a versatile guy, there's no question about it. But 
Todd McShay. And this has been, as we sit here, and again, I should probably congratulate Joe Burrow for winning the Heisman Trophy last week, the LSU quarterback. He won the Heisman Trophy. The other guys that were invited were Chase Young and the quarterback. Can't remember his name right off the top of my head from Ohio State. And then the other guy that was invited there was uh, uh, Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma. Those were the four guys that were invited to New, to New York. Uh, but ultimately, the Heisman was given to Joe Burrow from LSU. And again, congratulations to him. But McShay, and one of the people at this was Chase Young. And you've heard me talk about Chase Young, the awesome defensive end for Oklahoma, excuse me, for Ohio State. Let's get the, the college right here, Mike. Chase Young. But Todd McShay says that Chase Young, you'll get a kick out of this. Chase Young is better right now than either of the Bosa brothers. Joey or Nick? Um, Kind of funny to say that because both the Bosa brothers, I believe, right off the top of my head, were the second overall pick in their draft years. I know Joey went second to San Diego at the time, and I think Nick ended up going second his year to San Francisco. I think both of them were second overall picks. I could be wrong. But regardless, both of those Bosa boys are unbelievable football players. Both of those Bosa boys are in the Pro Bowl this year, one for San Francisco, one for San Diego or Los Angeles or Tijuana, wherever the Chargers are going to play next year. But for I think this is monumental for Todd McShay to come out and say that Chase Young right now is better than either of the Bosa brothers. That's, that's pretty high cotton right there. Oh, that's a risky thing to say because we've seen how players often don't translate from college right. to the pros or some guys go undrafted and then are superstars in the pros too. There's just a big divide there and a big transition and it's so hard to project. Obviously, there's a lot of people that they dedicate their whole lives to talent evaluation at the college level and projecting it to the NFL. And there's nobody who's come up with a foolproof way. You've got some great guys like Ozzie Newsom who've done right. a great job, but I'm, I haven't studied it, but I'm sure Ozzie Newsom's had some doozies that he's missed too. So you never know. But uh, it's really tough to do. Uh, I will say, I'm very leery about the top-rated quarterbacks every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you, it, sometimes they work out. Like Cam Newton, first overall, yeah, he was really good and still is. Maybe if he can get his uh, feet working again and if he can maybe stop being vegan. because He doesn't even seem happy since he's done that. Like He just seems like a totally different person. He doesn't even joke around anymore. But anyway... The whole Joe Burrow thing, good for him, but he is a one-year wonder. Uh, seems like a good kid. He works hard, great preparation, and uh, I'm happy for him because it seems like he's really worked hard and deserves this. Also, he had a really nice speech when he accepted yes. it, and he's raised almost half a million dollars for a food bank there as well, which is really nice. So good for him. Seems like a great guy. And hey, I hope he does go to the NFL and it works out. But if I was uh, a team with a top pick, let's say I had the number one pick in the NFL draft, I would, it would be hard for me to not take Chase Young. Yeah. Oh, I know. Right. I mean, because Chase Young, or maybe maybe more specifically, to me, a top elite five star defensive end is much more likely to turn out than a quarterback, and is much easier to project. Mm-hmm. There's a lot less to figure out going playing defensive end going from college to the uh, to the big league than quarterback quarterback and that's even even for Joe Burrow who he's not like some sort of uh, 
you know, he's not from a spread offense or anything. Like right. he, he knows how to take snaps and read defenses and go through his progressions properly and all that stuff. Like he's, he's a, he's a pro ready quarterback, I think as much as you can be, but even with him, there's going to be growing pains and it's tough to project. So if I have the first overall pick, I think I'd well, have to go chase young. And you know what? I would too. And I go back to a couple of years ago. Well now what? Maybe four years ago, but think about it this way. When you're talking about overvaluating, over-evaluating, I should say, a quarterback, um, you wonder what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Tennessee Titans would do if they could redo the draft a couple of years ago when Jameis Winston came out one and Marcus Mariota came out two. Because Mar- Marcus Mariota has been supplanted, obviously, by Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, and we don't know what the future is for Jameis Winston in Tampa. I mean, it hasn't been, we haven't heard any ringing endorsements out of, uh, oh shit, Bruce Arians in Tampa about he's overwhelmed with the play of Jameis Winston. Now, in fairness, Jameis Winston has had a different coach, a different quarterback coach, a different offensive coordinator almost every year he's been in Tampa. But still, having said that, you have the first overall pick in the draft and you don't know whether he's going to be your quarterback of the future. And we know, it looks anyway, pretty obvious to me that Marcus Mariota is not in future plans for the Tennessee Titans. So, yeah, I mean, you can really over-evaluate a quarterback and then you take that draft capital and you just got screwed and you have nothing to show for it. This day and age, you can win games with defense, you can win games with a, with a, running, with a running game, but I don't think you can win a Super Bowl without a quarterback. and uh, Not anymore. Not anymore. And a perfect example, Russell Wilson, third round. You know, it can happen. It doesn't have to be the first overall pick in draft one or, you know, the first round of the draft. Guys can come out of, come, can come out of anywhere. I mean, again, I always acquiesce back to Green Bay. If you're 2005 and you're the San Francisco 49ers, do you take Alex Smith number one, which they did in 2005? Or do you take... Aaron Rodgers, you know, I guess that's why they overpay guys like, uh, who was the general manager? It was the drunk guy in San Francisco. It was the drunk guy who was the general manager in San Francisco at the time. Scott, I don't remember his name. I just know him as the drunk guy. Mm -hmm. We got to run on this 437th episode of Unscripted. We thank you as always for joining us and certainly hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.